What up, this is your boy DJ EFN. You might know me as a drink champ, but first and foremost, I'm a proud father. I linked up with two of my other dad homies, Manny Digital and KGB, to start the Fatherhoods podcast. Each week, we bring you insider hip-hop stories, parenting, and advice and therapy. The saying is true, it takes a village, and we humorously serve as each other's trusted counsel in figuring out how not to screw up being a good dad. Fatherhood's Fatherhood's Podcast. Beats, rhymes, and diapers. Yo, Fatherhood's fam, when you're out and about with your baby and they start wilding out, what do you do? Most dudes are fumbling through the traditional baby bag their lady prepped for them, trying to find that one thing that will calm the kid down. That doesn't have to be your life. Dig no more. The firstborn diaper backpack from Fly Dad has over 21 compartments to have everything right where you need it to be for you and your baby and keeping you fly through the process. Get $20 off when you visit flydadgear.com slash fatherhoods. All right. It's another episode of the Fatherhoods podcast. Yeah, yeah. Dope, dope guest today, but we're down one of our, our hosts. Uh, Kay is frolicking the country doing his, uh, his dad thing. Um, yeah, so doing a tour, doing a tour. <laughs> so it's it's EFM myself and and our esteemed guest. Um, I'll do a very quick intro, and I'm gonna hand it off to him because there's way more than I am able to say about what this gentleman does. Um, but but I thought it was interesting. I was doing a little bit of research, and and Forbes called him the Dale Carnegie of the digital age, mm. which is that's pretty fucking pretty dope. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. I was yeah. not mad when it came out. Yeah, and he's he's an executive coach and someone um, I've been you know checking out on Instagram for a little bit now and pretty impressed with what he puts out and a lot of the empowerment um, and and just like confidence boosting things that he's involved in. I know you've done a lot of work with helping children um, kind of get away from being shy and kind of become more confident in a myriad of ways. So I, I kind of. Uh, there's a lot there that I, I'd like to unpack in our in our episode, but I know you're involved in many other things. So, like, tell us a little bit more about uh, outside of the fact that you are a father, which qualifies you for this podcast. Right. <laughs> what else are you involved in, Andrew? Oh, yes. his name is Andrew Andrew Horn, <laughs> and here we are. Yeah, you know, I think that probably the through line of all the things I've created a lot of different businesses, a lot of different experiences for people to participate in, but the the driving theme and mission behind it all is I just really care about um, human connection and transformation of creating technologies, whether those be communication frameworks, whether those are transformational experiences or technology businesses that help people to communicate more effectively and connect more deeply. And so much of that stems from my own isolation and loneliness that I experienced as a, a kid growing up in Hawaii, who honestly just was so full of insecurities and self-doubt and didn't have the friends or community that I so desired that that led to so many uh, just negative patterns and behaviors throughout my early life of seeking external validation from others, trying to package myself to be what I thought the world needed me to be while feeling so much dissonance and just lacking the self-trust to be who I was. And so, uh, you know, so much of my professional career has really been studying the art of interpersonal dynamics and communication and building up tools and frameworks and so many different things that help people to, to do that for themselves. And so for the last 10 years, I, I built a technology company called Tribute. It's a, you know, a Inc. 500 recipient. We've sent over 6 million tribute videos around the globe, helping people to share their appreciation and gratitude with the people that they love. So imagine E waking up on his birthday and Manny gets him a video with all of his friends, his kids, his uh, community telling him exactly why they love him, how he's impacted their life. Wow. That's a tribute video. We've done more than 6 million of those all over the world. But That's dope. Yeah, fundamentally, it's just the power of appreciation and gratitude is this force that automatically deepens us in our relationships. And so we've done that on the technology front. Something I'm excited to talk about with y'all is the the Junto. So the Junto is this uh, platform we've created for modern men's work. And we do these uh, wilderness rites of passage experiences that allow men to really step more deeply into personal integrity and relational mastery. So really stepping more deeply into masculinity, masculine leadership on their own terms and stepping into conscious leadership in their relationships, whether that's with their children, with their partner, with their families. 
And then also just one-on-one work where I work with entrepreneurs, primarily social entrepreneurs who are building businesses in the world to have an impact and also make a pretty nice income while they're doing it. Uh, just to not only have that impact, but to enjoy their lives and their relationships on the way to that. So that's a little bit of kind of where I'm coming from and some of the things I've been building in the world. You see, I was honest, right? I said I wasn't going to do, do the intro any justice and boom, there goes Andrew proving me right. I'll take it. Um, so, so what, so maybe we just start kind of what, with what got me, um, made me aware of you. Um, I, I was aware of, of Mickey, your, your ex-wife and some of the things that she's done. So I was at a, uh, a conference a couple of years ago, uh, the, called the capitalism conference. And she was one yeah, of the sure. and she was out, I hadn't known about her and she kind of, I was introduced to her there. The damn, I'm going to mess this up. The tushy, right. Was one of her yeah. creations. Yep. So she's one of the latest. Oh, wow. Yeah. She's got a couple. If you rock with the bidet that's called the Tushy, you're you're doing all right. Because uh, oh, and the ad campaigns are phenomenal, by the yeah, way. Yeah, if you if like you don't have a Tushy, you might have a dirty bum too. Let's be <laughs> honest about it. <laughs> yeah, it's funky right now. <laughs> um, but but recently, I'd say in the last few months, um, I, I saw a, a video on Instagram, and she was talking about both of you actually were on it and talking about going through a divorce. And that's when it kind of clicked. I was like, oh, snap. I didn't realize that she had a kid. And then you were introduced to me in that video. And you guys were talking about how you guys were elated, it seemed like, to have a divorce. Hmm. And it threw me for a loop. And then knowing <laughs> that you have a child and how the decision to, to divorce from marriage didn't necessarily... Actually, it seems like it's it's empowered you further to be better parents. And so I kind of want to start there because I thought that was really fascinating. And it's, it's, unfortunately, it's uncommon, right? Like you've, you've yeah, sure. all the negative things when it comes to divorce. And it feels like you guys are just putting that thing on its side and going a whole different path. So tell, tell us, tell the audience a little bit about kind of what brought to that, got, brought you guys to that point. Well, yeah, probably. So some context that might be helpful. The video that Manny probably saw involved me and Mickey being in matching tiger track suits while we were on a Zoom call with our judge. And this judge was so confused because we were wearing these matching suits and we were smiling and we were happy. And so he was like, what are you wearing? And we said, well, you know, we're wearing track suits. We want to show the world that you can go through a challenging thing together and still have fun and love each other through the experience. And he was like, okay, stop talking now. And, but so, <laughs> but that was, that was really our, our modus operandi from the beginning is just that I think that we have a six-year-old son. His name is hero. He's a total boss. We love him so much. And I think having a child in divorce, at least for us has been this transcendent quality where Mickey and I love each other very much. We're down here right now. I have a new partner, you know, she's here navigating waters with new partners and, thank God, you know, we were in bed a week ago, putting our son together, not even six months after getting divorced with both of our hands on our son's chest, like singing in lullabies, you know, and like, so that's, that's where we're at currently. It's the first time I've been able to talk about that publicly, but it was a really special moment of our evolution as co-parents after getting divorced. But I think that a child can be a, a transcendent quality of like, God, like we just want our kid to know that he's loved so much and it's no longer true for mickey and i to be in a relationship based on romantic love but there is still love there and we want our child to grow up in a container of love and so whatever our shit is like whatever bickering whatever frustration we have with each other which certainly comes up it's like we know that it's going to be healthier for us to work through it so that that bubble of love exists for our son and so that's really been our journey. And I think, you know, how we got here, we had an amazing, fiery, expansive 11-year relationship. And so Manny talks a little bit about my ex-wife, Mickey, who's one of the most impactful female social entrepreneurs of her generation. She started Thinks, a period underwear concept. She's published two books. She just dropped an album that's getting pressed now. She started Tushy. She's starting a, a new company that I can't even talk about that I think is going to win the Nobel Prize. So she's wow. a dynamo. She's incredible. And we had this incredible love affair. We met when I was 24 and 
she was 31. So she's seven years older than I was. And we had this incredible relationship that both of us love our lives. And the way we, we look at it is that both of us love our lives. We did then and we do now. And even though we no longer fit as a romantic couple, who we are today is so much a, a byproduct of the growth that the other one triggered in us. And so, you know, while we can acknowledge where we no longer fit together, but we can also, and what we, we strive for is how to find gratitude for how the other one helped us to grow, to get here. And fortunately, like we've invested in people to help us to create containers for conscious communication, you know, especially when conflict comes up, like to try and navigate that off the cuff, like just shooting from the hip, saying whatever comes up, like resorting to judgment and criticism and shame. It's hard to come back from some of that. So what we've been really conscious about is like how to navigate our communication and our conflict consciously, intentionally with set agreements and expectations. And I think that that's made such a difference. And truthfully, I've been able to do a bunch of stuff that I'm fun, that I'm proud of professionally and personally and creatively as an artist. But the thing I'm most proud of in my entire life, for sure, there's some stuff I've done with my father and my family, but being six months out of a divorce, singing a lullaby with my ex-wife, with my hand on my son's chest, and my new partner in the bedroom next door, I was like, wow, this, this is values in motion. You know, this is what it's all about is the mm -hmm. relationships and honoring them. So that's like a little bit of kind of our journey and how we got to where we're at today. You, you alluded a little bit to some of the conflict you have. And for anybody watching or listening that thinks this sounds too fantastic of a perfect way that someone gets divorced. Totally, man. There was, you know, leading up to the divorce, obviously you guys did bump heads. You did have conflict, but you, you learned ways to navigate that. So it wouldn't, I guess, blow over too, too much. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think that's such an important point. E is that we ended up in divorce because we were no longer compatible. Like both of us are really committed to our own personal growth. I think understanding our own values, how we want to relate, but for probably two and a half, three years towards the, the latter half of those 11 years, like there was a lot of conflict. Right. And I think that how we wanted to communicate what we needed from each other didn't match up. And so there was a, a lot of fighting. And even with outside support, working with coaches at times and setting up communication, I think it just got to a place in the relationship for both of us where like our nervous system just could no longer relax in that relationship. Right. And I think that that neither of us wanted to be there. We, we love each other. We wanted people to be there. And so, yeah, there was conflict. And fortunately, we were able to have, for the vast majority of our time together, a really loving partnership and friendship but there was a lot of conflict throughout the entirety of it, truthfully. Like it was like we had a fiery relationship and we love each other a lot. And we developed tools to navigate that more consciously and effectively. And I think that uh, so it was not without challenge. I think that what makes me proud of it is how we were able to interact with the challenge and then evolve past it to this point. And still to the States, not that we don't fight with each other, but it's just when someone does something that that really triggers us or that pisses us off or that hurts our right. feelings. It's like, how can we respond consciously with like, Hey, you did this thing. Like it made me feel this way. Like in the future, could you do this versus saying, Hey, like you're being a total asshole right now. You're not present. Like, you know, what's the type of communication that's going to engineer more connection versus more dissonance and, and kind of resentment between the partners. Do you think the inspiration and the inspiration for you guys to, to, to approach it that way is your son. I mean, it's, it's a big part of it. I think that he's a, how would I, I think that my son increases my, my strength and my love, like my very capacity to experience those things. And so I just know that it's, it's, going to be better for me to get over my own shit in a way to right. be able to connect with her. So he is a motivational force to really pay attention and to do this whole process justice. But I also think that so much of my life is really just about living a life that I'm, I'm proud of and that I look back of and that can be of service to others. And I am a child of divorce myself and my parents never talk to each other. 
You know, I always, I like, I was fortunate that I, I knew my parents loved me, but I also grew up from the time I was 13, my parents didn't talk to each other and I knew my parents hated each other. So I was a product of, of that kind of environment. And so I saw what that looked like. And so I think that when I was experiencing this, I just wanted to look at it and say like, well, what is the most loving way that I can approach this, this transition? You know, how can I honor who I am and, and what I need? And ultimately, once I got to a place where I realized that I could no longer give Mickey what she needed, I wasn't getting what I needed, like that it was important for me to articulate that, yeah, that I were ready for this relationship to transition. And then in the process, like I just wanted again to always just look at it as a contextually, like how can I be proud of how I'm doing this? And, you know, looking back on it now, I remember from the very beginning when I got clear that, um, that I was considering separation. I remember telling myself, I had a vision of it. And I said, I want to do this in a way that shows people there's another way that you can be friends through it, that you can love each other through it. You can be stoked about a partner being with a new partner. And so I had this, this vision of doing it in a way that could hopefully lay the, the tracks for, and not to say that we're the first to do it. You know, I've seen right. videos on Instagram and like, again, like those blended family videos you see of like Thanksgiving dinner and like, two dads in the pool with like the kids. And yeah. you know, so I, I see those and those were incredibly inspiring to me for sure when I was in the transition. And I just had a, a goal to do something else, just to live a life that hopefully could be of service and like inspire others to do it in a way that that helps them to be proud of, of how they're living as well. I'm, I'm once divorced. Hopefully that's, that's one and done. Um, but I'm also a child of divorced parents and yeah. it resonates with me that, that hatred that you experienced between your parents I, I think it was more one directional in my case. Like my mom really hate, I would, I don't think she hates him anymore, but she hated him for a very long time because he did her dirty, kind of the prototypical, like, Oh, adultery and that kind of thing. And the impact that it, it had on me was pretty substantial. And it's something I'm still kind of working through because I was primarily living with my mom. I would see my father every so often. He was still present. But because of the pain and suffering she felt, I was always of the mind, like, I, I tried not to resent him, but there were moments where it was easy to do so. And so I ran with that, right? And then, but the biggest lesson that I got out of that was, like, I can't find myself in a situation where I'm going to treat my, my wife, or, or for a long time, even girlfriend, in the way that my father treated my mom. Yeah. And so, to my, I guess, to my, my benefit, you know, that that's helped, but I still went through a divorce in, in the grand scheme of things. Right. And yeah. so what, 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 when I went through it, I was like, damn, like, I, I can't believe I'm a statistic. It's kind of what I thought about. And then I'm letting all the social stuff kind of get in my head. And that was one of the things where I was, once I realized that I was allowing that to happen, cause I was, I was holding on because I didn't want to be a statistic. Right. And then I got to a point where I was just like, fucked statistics. Yeah, like, this is real. I need to feel yeah. good and I don't feel good. So I need to get to a place where I got to figure out what, what's the equation here. What is it that I'm missing or I have too much of that I need to rectify? And when I came to that conclusion, I was like, yo, it's I I'm taking two steps forward and this person's taking two steps, three steps back. And I'm I need progress. That's something I know I need. And I finally sat down and talked to her and I was like, listen, this is not working for this, that, and the third. And you know, it was relatively amicable at first because it was a conversation it wasn't out of like hate or whatever. It was just like, I'm going this way. You're going that way. Our paths are getting further and further apart from each other. So we sure. need to, I need to call it quits. It didn't work out all that amicably at the end of it. <laughs> once, once the legal stuff kind of took over, yeah. it was a lot of spite, but, but it was, it was an interesting example of like where I came from, where I was at that moment. And then how I was going to let that moment determine what I was going to do next. And yeah. at first I was not trying to hear or get married again. That wasn't where I was going. So I'm, all that to ask you, like, what are your thoughts on marriage moving forward? Yeah. I think that what allowed us to move towards separation and divorce was getting really clear about my own values. And I think this comes back to a lot of the men's work that we do. Again, I think that when it comes to integrity, for me, integrity is living your values. And I think that values are really important in relationships as well. Like what are the values 
that I need to express that I need to receive from my partner in a relationship for it to work. And so what I learned is that I was 24 when I got into this relationship, right? I'm getting out of this relationship at 36. Think about how different you were when you were 24 to 36. Yeah, you're a kid at that age. You're a kid at 24. Yeah. You're coming, And so it's like what it was that I was prioritizing, my beliefs about success, what was important, who I was, those things changed fundamentally in those 12 years, right? And so I think that what happened is, fortunately, we had a really great run like during that time, so much growth, so much fun. We had a son. Um, but also then I became clear of like, oh, here's who I am now. My values have shifted. Here's what's important to me now. And so as I came out of this relationship, I purposefully created some space where I could be single because I didn't know what it was like to be a single guy at 36 with those values. Last time I was 23, right? right. And so, and I had that space. But then also I think that because I was clear about who I was, and what was important to me in relationship, I mean, you guys might not believe this, but literally the day that my wife and I decided that we were going to get divorced, uh, I met this woman who I did not know, no <laughs> similar terrible. friends, the next day, wow. the day after it happened. And, and we didn't rush into anything. It was really beautiful. We slow played it. But the day that me and my wife, we got divorced and if you guys know the song Godspeed by Frank Ocean, like that was actually like our divorce song. I wish we could pull up the lyrics and then I get like, I get goosebumps when I think about it, but it's like, you know, this level keep us from blindness of the eyes. Like it's um, so beautiful. So that was a song that we played when we decided that we were going to get divorced and we had this beautiful amicable, all right. It's, it's spiritually energetically over. And the next day, there was this new person and immediately it was just like, what is this person? I kind of knew what I was looking for. And so the way that it's flowed, it's like, I wasn't, I wasn't looking for a new relationship, a new like wife, but I just knew who I was and the kind of relationship I wanted. And then when that person came into my orbit, I was like, well, you are that, you know, it was easy to make that. It was a natural puzzle piece. Yeah, very much so. I always say to people, and and by no means am I like advocating for people to get divorced because it's a painful experience. But yeah. but I'm always I'm always grateful for having gone through the process because I was able to very clearly understand what I didn't want in a partner, and I put all the social conditions that are set forth by people to the side, and I just allowed myself to figure me out right? Like, who am I compatible with? What are my issues? And then how do I have a complimentary person that that I can use? You know, I don't have to change too much of who I am, but still bring something valuable to the table. And not the day after, but very similarly, very close after the fact, um, a new relationship kind of just started for me. And I went into it like, really like with the big stop sign, like, no, we're not getting married. Yeah. Just know this from jump. This is what I've been through. And then they happened to also be uh, of a divorce as well and kind of went through a similar thing. So it was just like the, the universe was just like, yo, you motherfuckers need to like. Yeah, totally. Right. The, the, the one thing that I've, I've seen a lot and I've gotten a lot of people who reached out since that post went super viral is this idea that, that divorce is a horrible thing. Divorce is like super challenging. And it's like I've experienced a really challenging divorce, like I, even in my own. But also, just because there are challenging aspects of something does not make that thing bad, right. right? Like, if I look at where I'm at right now, I was not having my needs met in my marriage. My partner was not having her needs met. We were fighting. Sometimes our kid would see us fighting. Is that healthy for my child? I yeah. not, not really. So if a divorce leads to a friendship where these partners are no longer expecting their romantic needs to be met by each other so they're able to create an environment where they can actually be friends with each other is that more conducive to you know a healthy upbringing for that child perhaps so it's like divorce can be really really challenging what i'm also offering is that for people who've been together for 10 20 years and you think about how much you grow and how wild life can be and like how many different directions it can take you and how people reinvent themselves. 
that there's just a, a chance that, you know, it's not two people who are, the divorce is not indicative of people who aren't trying to fix something, but it's right. just indicative that people change. And sometimes they change together. And sometimes they change in ways where they, they no longer fit together. But it doesn't have to mean, and I think that a lot of people, like you said, like, I don't want to be a statistic. I want to be a statistic and like to be about, because to be divorced is bad. And a lot of what I was hoping to remove off of that is like the shame of it of like, no, I'm proud of the 12 years that I had with my partner and now like how we divorced, but like, I would be ashamed to be in a relationship that wasn't true more than I am of being divorced, you know? And if we can start to look at it of like, how do we look at divorce as something that sometimes happens and that we can do it consciously and in a way that actually allows for a right relationship, a healthy relationship to emerge on the other side. That I think that's a, a new narrative that would that would really benefit yeah. society, especially when 50% of people are everything more than that are getting divorced, right? Yeah. Right. Allowing growth. Totally. How how did you break the news to Hero? And what's how how has he been as far as the transition process as well? Yeah, you know, he's I remember really intentionally wanting to sit him down with uh, Mickey. We were doing it around Christmas time last year. And when we talked to him about it, I, I always, I read all the articles of what's the best way to do it. And so the first thing I said, because at the time he was five. And so you want to understand that they have some sort of frame of reference for what's actually happening right now. So the first thing that I say is not anything. I just ask a question I say like, Hey, hero, do you know what divorce is? And he's like, I've heard people like at school talk about it, but like his definition wasn't actually what it was. And so you explain like what divorce is. And it's like, you know, divorce is when people who are married basically decide that they're no longer going to be married. But, and then what's really important for a child is you want to maintain the continuity of like the relationship. And so mom and dad, right. It's no longer husband and wife, but mom and dad, and those roles are still there. You want to really kind of keep that through line. And so it's like, so mom and dad are deciding that we're going to end our marriage. We're not going to be husband and wife, but we're still going to be mom and dad. We still love each other and we still love you. And you're the most important thing on the planet. And he was like, okay, can I play with my Lego now? Yeah. And I think what's, and again, the, the benefit of this is that we have, we have split custody. So we go week on week off, but also What's beautiful about how we've done it is that like, when I go and drop them off, like I'll go into the house, you know, and if they have friends over, like I'll hang, like she'll come over and do that. And so we get to see. And so there is some exposure to us just being friends and and hanging out with each other. And so that's what I mean. It's like a, a five-year-old or six-year-old doesn't have comprehension of romantic love really. And like, I think what that looks like, but it's like friend love and like hugging each other and doing that, like they can feel that and understand it. And so they were really conscious about, you know, even when it was hard, we had this thing we would call a family hug. And we sing a song that goes, family hug, family hug, family, 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 family hug. And like, we would just hug each other. We'd be silly and we'd do it in public. And so that was something we did when we were together. And we would keep doing that, you know, like afterwards, because it's like, if there are these rituals that we can carry forward, it's like, again, he can just continue to feel that, that continuity and the love and, um, you know, that we're still a unit, but just like the titles and like some of the nuances of it are, are evolving. So. That's dope. I mean, it's, it's super mature of both of you in a world where I feel like maturity goes by the wayside. Yeah. Yeah. Society's no matter what getting age, more immature, no, no <laughs> matter what age you are. Um, I, I want to kind of switch gears a little bit. Yeah, totally. Cause I mean, the, the theme of divorce actually is interesting on many fronts, but I'll talk about my personal tangent on that in a little bit. Um, e, you've, mm-hmm. you've had some, some stuff going on over the last few days. I don't know if you right. want to share now. Uh, you want to get into some of that? Yeah, yeah we can get into some of it. All right. um, I, I'd love, I'd love Andrews. I'm sure Andrews had some, something in the realm of what we're about to talk about. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on you're this. talking about the death in our family, right? Yeah. That's in the family. Okay. Yeah. So my, um, my wife's grandmother, who basically raised her and was living with us for a while, um, but she had dementia. So in her, the last year, she's been in uh, in assisted living. Um, she passed away over the weekend, this past weekend. And so 
we already, I already knew it was going to be tough on my wife, which it was, but then it was about, you know, how do we break it to the kids? We have a very small family. It's not a very large family. There's not a lot of people that can come around and huddle around the kids and, and all of that. It's just us basically. And so my wife went, went out to, uh, in a rush to be with her grandma when she heard of the news and, um, the kids were taking their nap. And then I said, you know, well, should I tell them my, my children are, my son's three, my daughter's five. They recently both turned and, um, she's like, yeah, tell them. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, man. I don't know if I want to tell them this, you know, would they even understand it? But just, I don't know. I just felt it was, I don't know, too morbid for their aid, but it's not. Um, so they wake up and and I just and you know I'm like ah like it was like crazy. I was like overthinking it, like how do I break this to them? And it was similar to you with the divorce thing, how it just like kind of doesn't really matter after you yeah. say it. And I'm like, hey guys, you know, you know, Abby, that's what they called her. I was like, uh, mommy left because you know. Abby, she she passed away. She died. And my son didn't, he didn't react. He was just like playing on the bed. And then my daughter's like, she died. Oh, no. Like playfully almost. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she, she doesn't really, the sure. only reference that she has, kind of talking about references, is Bluey. Because in Bluey, there's an episode where a bird dies. Mm-hmm. and they're trying to explain to bluey what that means and that's the only reference that she has to it and i don't think she quite understands that yet either so i'm trying to explain to her and she's like okay well you know so what do we do let's i want to be with mommy let, I, I why didn't mommy take me with her and i'm like no because she has to be with grandma right now um and i'm like her name is emmy i'm like she's not coming back you know abby's not coming back and and then Again, she didn't really react, react much to it. And the rest of the day went on and she was playing and wanted to watch cartoons. And 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 so later that night, though, and this was what, what it's just funny how kids kind of have their own way of, of reacting or, or even like maybe her. I don't know if it's her way of mourning or not, but that night she was like, oh, open the window. I want to I want to see the stars. Hmm. And my wife had come back. She was clearly sad. She, my daughter knew she was sad because of her grandmother passing. But again, she, she's not really understanding it, or at least she doesn't seem like she's understanding it. And then I open the window, but it's cloudy. Uh, and she's like, oh, I don't see the stars. I want to wish on a star. I want to wish upon a star. And I'm like, well, the stars are there. They're behind the clouds. But, I'll, you know, lay in your bed and you can wish upon a star while you're laying down. And she goes to sleep. When she said something about, oh, I want to be a prince. I'm going to wish upon a star. I'm going to be a princess. I'm like, all right. She's really into like Disney princesses. The next morning, bright and early, she storms into the room crying, hysterical, my daughter. And she's like, I wished upon a star to be a princess with magical powers. And I'm not that. (laughs) I'm not a princess. And I wanted to be. And I even said, I only need to be a princess for a little bit. I didn't even say for forever, just for a little. And she's crying hysterical. And I'm like, wow, what a she's never done this. So I feel in her mind, she's like, I'm going to wish upon a star, become a princess with magical powers and somehow fix this issue that she's hearing about. And and it was just. It was it was it was it was it was weird. It was weird and wild. And and, you know, I'm just trying to understand. And I'm also hoping that, you know, we're going about it the right way around the kids but you know i think they're so young that this won't really affect them um but yeah that's, that's basically what we've been going through in the household and just trying to kind of like shield them from my 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 wife has been having a hard time because she's this is very emotional for her this is her yeah. mother had passed away already at a younger age so her grandma raised her her father had already passed away yeah so this is huge to to lose her grandmother now and but her grandma was 99 years old, was about to be 100 years old in a couple wow. of weeks. So she lived a long, great life. And so she's, you know, my wife has been been able to, like, hold it together around the kids. But then, you know, that's not necessarily healthy because she hasn't been able to fully release 
so yeah, that's that's what's been happening. It's tough, man. Like I, I don't know if if you've had to if you've had a death in the family, Andrew, um, since you've had your son, where you've had to have a similar conversation. Has that presented itself? Yeah, it was very similar to E's experience as well. Of it's interesting approaching a heavy subject like death. I lost my father uh, a couple of months ago. Oh, sorry and, to hear that. And, uh, and again, it's fortunately we had a lot of really beautiful healing before he passed away. And but going to my son, and he had a relationship with my dad, and so to communicate that to him about death and that he's not coming back, and like what's happened, and then it brings up bigger questions of like they ask like where they go. Do I layer in like my spiritual beliefs? Or, like, what do I tell them about the afterlife and like other questions like this? And, uh, but also, like, he was just took it very nonchalantly. Like, it was like, oh, he's not coming back. And then he's like back to what he's doing. Yeah. And so it's interesting to try and navigate it with like the heaviness that I feel right. versus like the lightness that a child's experiencing with, you know? Do you find yourself getting upset, right? Cause like, I, I would, I've, I've been in situations, not, not exactly this one, but like, where it's heavy on you, it's not, they're none the wiser. It's kind of like whatever to them. And then you're almost, almost like you're trying to force them to feel empathy for something that they don't comprehend. So unfairly putting that pressure on them. Like I've found myself in some of the situations where I'm like, no, you don't understand. This is serious. You got to. <laughs> well, I told that to, to my daughter because before my wife came back, she was just like, oh no, why have you died? Oh no. I gotta tell my friends tomorrow. And I'm like, please don't do that around your mom. She's home. <laughs> totally. You know, but I think, you know, I don't want them to have that that heavy feeling. Yeah. You know, the, the what worries me and the reason why I kind of didn't want to tell them is I don't want them to start pondering about death and their mortality already in at this young age. You know, I want them to be kids that are that that are just, you know, ignorance is bliss in a sense. And so one of the actually i forgot to mention that she did say to me i don't she goes i don't want to die dad i don't want you to die and and then because of her her great grandmother and seeing her with the dementia cuz funny enough not funny but we had seen her that morning hmm. you know we had seen my wife's grandmother we went to 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 the facility where she was at we saw her that morning it was 3 hours later so that even confused the kids even more cuz we just saw her she was sleeping she was snoring and they had seen her in that condition for a while now. So to them, that's the way she is. And she was fine. So, but because of seeing her for a while in that condition, my my daughter was always like, I don't want you to get old. Hmm. I don't want to get old. And then now it's like, I don't want to die. I don't want you to die. And I remember vividly being a kid. I don't think as young as them, maybe not too much older than she is, but I was always thinking about death because I grew up in like in the 80s Cold War era. Where I and I was really into like war and you know the 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 the, the GI Joe era and all that and, and watching all these war movies and in my head I'm like World War Three is popping off any day now yeah and I'm really? like I was always thinking about how it was gonna go down and I'm and I would even pray at night like and I think I've said this before I was like if World War Three pops off please God let a nuke land right on top of me so I don't have to deal with with radioactive you know like like become oh. a radioactive zombie so. So I just don't want them worrying about that right now. Yeah. Yeah. My son, my son brought something up the other day. He was, uh, he said, we were talking about being his dad. He was, I think he actually asked me, he was like, what do you like about being my dad? It was a really sweet question. And then he said something about, and like, and you'll be my dad until we die. And I was like, yeah, that's right. And he was like, that's sad. Thinking about how we die. And I was like, yeah, like dying is sad, but like also, like my frame on it, I was like trying to reframe it in a way of like, yeah, like dying is sad. And I was like, but also it's like, because we're going to die, like makes being alive really good. Mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like we were like, yeah. So it's like, cause we, we will die at some point. Like everyone does, but like also right. like we should really be happy when we're alive. Right. Did, yeah. did having this happen to me and I want to see if it happened to you. Did having a child have you think more about your mortality? Hmm. Well, I think, so I actually have a brand. I, I have a clothing line that's called Holy Shit, We're Alive. <laughs> and it's this just idea of like kind of really appreciating the very fact that we're alive, that we get to be alive at all. And like right. the odds that 
we would be humans in this time living in a part of the world where we have advanced technology and we can talk to each other through video screens. It's like very unlikely that we'd be able to have this experience, you know? Right. So, so I feel, I feel pretty grateful to be alive. And so when I think about my own mortality, my own mortality is like a mechanism that reinforces that same belief of like, you don't know when you're going to die, how it's going to happen. But all I know is I'm alive now and I'm going to die at some point. And so I got to try and make the most of it. And I think that like having a kid is just like another part of beautiful aspect of being alive, another nuanced experience that I get to have. And so, and since I had a kid, just another remembering of that truth of like, holy shit, I'm alive. You know, I get to be a dad. Like I should get off the computer and like tomorrow it's like, oh, it's my son's last day in Costa Rica tomorrow. I'm going to take off work and go hang out with them all day on the beach because <laughs> like, right. that's most important I'm here. So, so tell me a little bit about the work you're doing with men. Um, uh, you, mean, you mean the retreat you're coming on in a couple of weeks, right? Is this the wilderness one? <laughs> yeah, this is that wilderness men's retreat that Manny's coming on in a couple of weeks. You saw, Before we started, he confirmed. You saw how I was running away <laughs> from that thing, right? But now you well, double What back. happens in this retreat? Yeah, let's talk about it. What, what yeah, happens? so... Yeah, so the, the retreats are, are built around these four principles of emotional intelligence, personal integrity, relational leadership, and service. And if you look at the importance of ritual rites of passage, they were this fundamental vehicle in modern civilizations to help people evolve within communities. And so you think about, especially within you know, ancient or tribal communities, um, a big part of what drives our behavior as humans is our identity. It's our sense of self and masculinity, right? It's like boy, that's an identity. Man, that's an identity. There's a specific moment, not in or many, where we transition, right? Like, what does it mean to go from boy to a man? And in a lot of communities, they would have very specific rites of passage that were important because when a boy transitioned from a boy to a man, as a boy, you were oftentimes um, uh, a dependent on the community. People were doing things for you. And as a man, you had responsibility. And so what would happen is you'd go through these rites of passage, transition into being a man. People would receive you in this transition of becoming a man and you had new responsibility. And that responsibility was really important for grounding men, for giving them purpose because they had that responsibility. And a lot of rites of passage that have been fundamental for the evolution of of society and especially for men have really gone by the wayside. Like you look at some rites of passage like marriage, child rearing, conscription in the military, religious rites of passage. You know, men are getting married in their 30, like mid thirties now, they used to be getting married in their early twenties having kids in their mid twenties. Now they're getting, having kids in their forties, not a bad thing, but just that these rites of passage were all transitions into more responsibility in their lives. Same thing about being in the military or religious kind of rites of passage where you have new values you can ascribe to. And so what we've tried to create here is a, a rite of passage experience where men can come together and first and foremost, be completely honest and transparent about their whole experience. Because as men, we've been conditioned to hold on to so much of our emotions. As vulnerability is a bad thing, get away from me, don't share that. I'll get taken advantage, I'll get judged, I'll get criticized, ostracized, you name it. And what happens is when we don't express emotions, challenging things we're going through, we suppress those. And that's where so much of the just uh, negative behavior we see in society comes from, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. When you look at abuse, violence, drug abuse, addiction, so many of these things, it's like, it's because that's the solution to the problem of having so much pent up emotion, anger, shame, sadness, that we don't have an outlet to express. And so the Junto creates very practical tools where men can connect with their emotional experience, but also a safe space where we can just share that because just allowing ourselves to hit the release valve, to share that, to be witnessed is a rare experience for a lot of guys. And then once you're communicating really authentically, we give men an opportunity to really think about who they are as a man. What what are the values that they ascribe to on their own terms? So to be a a man, absent the inculcation of society telling you, here's what it means to be a man. No, on your own terms, like, what does it mean to be a good man for you? 
And like, what is that? Clarifying that identity. Like, what, what is it that you're going to be remembered for while you're here? Like, what are you committed to that's bigger than yourself? And so that's a big part about this personal integrity, bringing our lives into alignment. And relational leadership is really like saying, you know, taking responsibility for the quality of our relationships is how we move society and the world forward in my, my lens. And so I think like, again, I look at like me, my, my coach used to say, if everyone just took care of their families, we'd have world peace. Mm -hmm. And so I think that helping men who have been conditioned to like, to want responsibility, it's like where we derive meaning and purpose and to really assign that to our relationships, whether that's children, whether that's partners, spouse, coworkers, you name it, but practical tools to be able to lead powerfully in their relationships. And then the last one is just all about service and contribution of helping men to get really clear about here's who I am. Here's why I'm here. And here's what I'm committing to, to better humanity, the world, my community, causes that are important to me. And it's those four tiers of emotional intelligence, personal integrity, uh, relational leadership and service that we fundamentally want to give men an opportunity to just center in themselves and get clear about how they want to help society. And then what's really cool is then you have a community of men who are living in this way and holding each other accountable for being that type of person in the world. And it's so special to have a group of people who are holding you accountable for being the type of man that you want to be in the world. And so we've been doing these retreats since 2018 and, you know, worked with thousands of men all across the US and virtually. And uh, it's been really beautiful work to try and create these types of experiences to help men to uh, just master all those four pillars of what we think of as modern men's work. Both of you are, are more than welcome. My guests, let me know when you're ready and we'll we'll get you in. That is so dope. If we can get Kether in. Kether's not doing it, bro. Kether, Kether be like, oh, that's too, that's too much for me right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's that's beautiful. I, um, I was actually telling you, e, I don't know if you remember, I wanted to do like a, a men's retreat. So yeah. for the audience here on Fatherhoods, but also through like Fly Dad, which is a company that I um, we also have, um, that is focused on a lot of the things that you just talked about, right? It's a it's a fit physical products brand. So like I create a bunch of different things for men um, to feel more comfortable in their skin as fathers, but like practical things that they can carry with them and like sure. be on the go with your kids. But the foundation of all of that is to help improve confidence in men to be able to stand up and be the present, you know, person in the kids' lives however that kid needs them to show up. Right. Totally. And so when you say, you know, and, and a compliment to what I was trying to build is like, yes, this community that I'm still trying to put together is like this community, but also like the accountability factor. Right. And it sounds like what you have going, this is Junto has a lot of those same elements. So I'm, I'm very, my interest is very peaked. And the fact yeah, that it's in my backyard, ah, I'm going to have to, we're you, have can't, to you can't, you can't understate the power of community when it comes to positive behavior change. Right. It's like, truly, it's that if you're trying to, because this is all like you hear anyone talking about personal development or anything like that, like personal development is behavior change. People are trying to change their behavior in a way that's going to be better for their mental, physical, emotional, you know, monetary well-being. It's all about behavior change. And to try and change our behavior on our own, it's just like, it's really challenging, but there's a lot of research that backs up, like to be able to do transformation work, personal development work in community is really hard to find those communities, you know? And I think that that's why religion, you know, for some of its woes, like, but it did provide a community that was focused on values. And, you know, without some of those preset communities, it's hard to find a community of people who are committed to virtuous things, right? Where it's like, I look at your hat and I'm like, fly dad. Anyone who's got a fly dad, like they're, they're committed to being a good dad. You've got more people in your web who are committed to being a good dad. You get to have conversations that are thinking about right. being a good dad. That's just in your orbit. You're thinking about it. You're more likely to express those behaviors. So yeah, the community piece can't be understated. And again, especially amongst men these days, it's loneliness is a true epidemic. And that's not hyperbole. That's like truly the surgeon general talking about loneliness as an epidemic. It's because again, it's when, when people are isolated or lonely, they will do anything to connect. Like as, as humans, mm -hmm. we are, we are wired to connect. And so when we 
you know, end up being lonely, like we'll latch on to extreme ideas and all sorts of things to, to find a community that we belong with. So it's so important that we counteract a lot of the extremism that we see, you know, on the internet with fly dad and Junto and, and positive things that people can attach themselves to. Love it. Very true. So wait, people that are interested now that they've probably been introduced to you for the first time, how yeah. do they get a hold of you? How do they capture some of the things that you're putting out that I think are super awesome? Yeah, totally. So, um, so we'll, we'll give a discount for anyone listening on the podcast. So it'll be 500 off for, for anyone who wants to join all my stuff, whether it's tribute, my coaching, Junto, it's on my website, which is ITS, it's, and then my name, Andrew Horn. And then we're the first one that comes up when you Google, uh, it's called wejunto.com is the men's work. Tribute is the, the gratitude videos. Um, so again, but uh, we're happy to offer a, a friend and fam discount for anyone coming from the podcast today. We'd love to have you out here and link up with our community for sure. Thank you, man. We really appreciate that. Yeah, that's yeah. beautiful, man. Thank we'll you. do we'll do another episode after Manny comes, and he can talk about crying in front of the fire. I'm, I'm we'll show that. the video of him crying. <laughs> we'll in front show of the, the fire. video. Totally, totally fine. Telling people what what was going down for sure. Cool. Um, no, tears. but Andrew, you, you convinced me. I, I think I do want to do this. I just got to check dates now. <laughs> yeah, totally. Let's do it. Um, damn, Andrew, it was it was a pleasure. This was even better than I thought. So uh, thank you for for showing up and giving us all this knowledge. Um, yeah, thanks. You're you're an inspiration to a lot of people. I, you know, like I said, I, I don't necessarily recommend people going down the path of divorce, but if that is the ideal scenario for people to live the fullest selves, right? Yeah. Like, co-parenting has a has a, a title now. It wasn't called that, you know, sure. 20, 30 years ago. So like it's it's something that happens. Finding the best way to do it for your your own sanity and health, you know, the the partners, but also more importantly, for the children involved in the process, like, yeah, is super important. And I think you've kind of outlined a little bit of a blueprint that I think some people can gravitate towards. So thank you for sharing that. Well, thank you for the platform, like not only to talk more openly about, you know, my own transition in that area of my life, but just for taking your your influence and your platform and using it to shed light on you know, fatherhood, how to do it right, how to grow, how to evolve, how to shape the next generation in positive ways that help everyone. So right. cheers to y'all for for doing that, making a decision, make the time to do it. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, you know, hopefully there's more of this down the road. Absolutely. Let's continue the good fight. We'll be in touch, Andrew. Take it easy. <laughs> All right, thank you. Yeah. Thanks Appreciate for having you, me. Oh, thank you. Yo, be a father. If not, why bother, son? A boy can make him, but a man can raise one. Be your father to your child.